Please pray with me. Father, we come before you once again, acknowledging your presence. Again, Lord, I'm reminded to pray for the Bowers as they go through this challenge that they have. And I'm praying for your comfort and peace as you minister to them. And also for our sister Christina O'Connor, Lord, as she recovers. Pray for her strength. They pray for her health together with her husband. And Lucille and her husband, where they are, I commit them to you. I pray that you may reach unto them as well. I want to thank you for your word and for this moment that you've given us to hear from you. We pray that the Holy Spirit who speaks through your word, that he may teach us this morning and that, Lord, you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing with our series, Fresh Encounter or Encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. I will remind you again, when you approach God's word, if you believe that God's word is alive and active, then when you approach it, you must approach it with the idea and the attitude that it is going to speak to you. The Bible is the only book that we read while the author is present with us. And if he is present, then he is going to speak. And that should be our approach. We read books. I was telling the youth this morning, we read books for different reasons. We read books for entertainment. We read books for information, knowledge. And then we read the Bible for transformation. There is knowledge. There is entertainment. But that's not the purpose for God's word. The purpose is transformation. God's word transforms lives. If you like yourself, read God's word. <laughs> if you don't like yourself, read God's word. Amen. Let's turn to John chapter 4 from verse 46. Jesus returns to Cana where he had changed water into wine. We are told in verse 46, once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum around about 20 miles from Cana. This royal official is probably an official in Herod's house. He's, he's a man of power. He's a man of influence and great wealth. In anyone's standard, he, he has arrived. But there is something that is frustrating to him, and that is his son is sick. He has high fever. 
His son is dying and the thought of seeing his life go away, just losing his life is so painful for this father. And if you, if you have had a loved one go through some kind of suffering, then you, you can relate to this father. Nothing breaks our hearts more quickly than seeing the suffering of a loved one. And when that loved one is a child, it's even more painful. I know what I'm talking about because my wife and I, my wife and I have had this experience with our son, Wisdom. When he was born, he went into a coma. And I remember that day, the doctor said that they needed a certain type of medicine and it wasn't available at the hospital. So I needed to go and buy it. And I asked him, when do you need it? He told me we needed it two hours ago. And so I left the hospital, went to the nearest pharmacy. That medicine wasn't there. They didn't have it. I went to another one. I'm walking. They didn't have it. Then I had to take a public transportation to another pharmacy, like 30 minutes away, and they didn't have it. And I just began to pray. And my prayer to God was, God, this is your son. He's yours. Whatever you want to happen will happen. He's yours. And I was just praying, talking to myself, walking from one pharmacy to another. Eventually, I found the medicine and I came back. And every time, and we've, we've seen him grow with a lot of challenges. And when you hear the doctor's diagnosis about your loved one, and then see them grow with several challenges, it can be heartbreaking. And so I can understand what is happening to, to this father. I, I can relate with him. Death is knocking at his door. He probably has tried everything that he could to no avail. And then he had the news that Jesus was around. We're told in verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. So he comes to Jesus with a prayer request, but also with a prescription in mind. Because he comes to Jesus begging him not just to heal his son, but to come home with him. So he is also prescribing to Jesus how he should heal his son. He is desperate and he is begging, he is pleading. He is continually asking Jesus to come. 
and heal his son. And Jesus, his response here is not encouraging. He says, unless you see, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Jesus understands that people are not following him because they believe in him. And by the way, there's a difference between believing Jesus and believing in Jesus. One speaks of a relationship, the other one speaks of the knowledge that you have about him. Jesus understands that people are not following him because they want to have a relationship. They are following him because of what he is doing. They are excited by the miracles. They keep reminding themselves, last time he did this, let's go so that we may see another miracle. He understands that. So when he makes this statement, he is sending a message to the crowd. All you are interested in are the signs and wonders that I do but not me. When he is making this statement, he is also giving the father an opportunity to prove his faith. Is he just coming to Jesus because all he wants is that Jesus may heal his son or he's coming to Jesus because he is interested in Jesus? And so Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And he allows that to sink in. And the father is still begging him to come home with him. And then Jesus turns to him and he says, go. Your son will live. Actually, he says, go, your son lives. Go here is a command. Jesus is not giving him a choice. Okay. This father could have asked questions here. What, what if he's not healed? How, how do you know that he's healed? You haven't even seen him. You haven't touched him. How do you know that he's healed? Many times we find it difficult to believe God's word because we allow our limitations and our traditions and everything else, all the baggage that we have, we allow it to interfere with what God is saying to us. Go? I walked 20 miles here so that we can go back together. And you are telling me to go? But we are told the man took Jesus at his word and departed. <laughs> he was satisfied by what Jesus said. 
He took him at his word and they departed. The title for this message is What is Faith? You hear people saying he's a man of faith or she's a woman of faith. And sometimes you'll hear People say, I believe this and I believe this. But what is faith? And when I ask this question to Christians, I know they begin to think of what Hebrews 11 says. And, and, and we will look into that. But what really is faith? Jesus says to the father, the royal official, go, your son will live. And the royal official takes Jesus at his words and he lives. He departs. There is an exercise of faith there. There is something that is going on to this royal official that reveals that he had truly taken Jesus at his word. The crowd was still there. They could hear what Jesus was saying. They just knew we've missed another opportunity for a miracle. But we are told that the man, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was leaving. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Now let me tell you why. The departing of this father reveals his faith because he doesn't go home. He stays around, probably he had some businesses to attend to until the next day. It was only a 20, about 20 miles distance. He could have gone home, but he was so comfortable with Jesus' words that he stayed. After encountering Jesus and hearing Jesus say, go, your son lives, something happened in him. This is the, where the twist of the story is. This is what John is trying to communicate to us. The father came running, begging, pleading, probably crying, desperate for his son's life. But he lives peacefully with hope and comfort. He is no longer in a hurry because Jesus has said, your son lives, and he has taken Jesus at his word. I 
And then the father, when he realized that it was the same time, he and his whole household believed. So there is the evidence of his faith that we see when he takes Jesus at his word, and then we see them believing. See, there's, there's that growth of faith. Okay. True faith always grows. As long as you have faith, it will grow. As you know him, your faith continues to grow. So what is faith? Hebrews 11, let me take you there because probably that's what you're thinking of. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. The world says seeing is believing. And God says believing is seeing. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is not a leap in the dark, it's a leap in the light. It's not a step in the dark, it's a step in the light. We believe and then we see. That's, that's exactly what Jesus said to Thomas anyway. He said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. The father must have believed that Jesus would keep his word for him to depart. He took Jesus at his word. We are told in Hebrews 11... Verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible. You can't even try to please God. That, that means... You have to believe what God says if you are going to do what he wants you to do. Anyone that comes before God must first believe that he exists. If you believe he exists, then you must also believe that he speaks. If you believe that he speaks, you'll have to believe that his word is true. And you will have to believe that the only way you can please him is by doing what he says. 
So for those of us that have been approaching God in our own way and claiming that we, we have a relationship with God, that are claiming that I pray, but at the same time you know that you are not really believing what God says in his, in his word, you have been lying to yourself. Maybe you are talking about a different God. Because the God of the Bible speaks. And when he speaks, he expects us to listen. Without faith, no one can please God. And of course, James 2 verse 6 says, Faith without works is dead. It's not there. That means it's not there. Faith without works. Because faith will always produce works. Faith will always produce fruits. If it has no fruits, it's because it's not there. So what is faith? John is teaching us here that faith is taking God at his word. That is what he's teaching us in this passage. He's telling us, brothers and sisters, faith is taking the Lord at his word. It is believing that what he says he will do. It is believing that if God has said it, that settles it, whether I agree with it or not. Let me tell you something that will shock you. When I preach, when I share God's word, when I proclaim his message, it really doesn't matter to me whether you agree with me or not. It doesn't. That's up to you. It is my, my responsibility to speak it. It is up to you to agree or not. I will not be offended if you disagree with me. Because if it is God's word, then you are not really disagreeing with me. You are disagreeing with God. You can disagree with my opinion. And that, that's okay. And so when, when I speak, I'm not looking for a consensus. Okay, this... I'm not looking for people who will agree with what I'm saying. That's not my goal. My goal is to proclaim what I believe God wants his people to hear. And I also believe that God's people will receive what God is saying. And this should be an encouragement to you as well. When you share God's word, you're going to have people who will not agree with you. But that should not be a problem. Don't allow it to stop you from doing what you believe God wants you to do. 
it's up to them. So I think that levels the play field, right? Next time you hear me speak, just know that I'm not looking for, for you to agree with me. That's going to be your choice. You know, Jesus, he, he doesn't want to be what we call an assisting character in our story. He wants to be the hero of our story. Jesus doesn't want to be an addition to our life. He wants to be the Lord of our life. Jesus doesn't visit. He moves in. And when he moves in, he shakes things up. So much that it changes how we see the world and life. He is the hero of our story. And so when he speaks to us, he's not giving us an opinion that we can accept or reject. God does not give suggestions. You know, in, in, in this culture, in this American Western culture, everyone has an opinion. Everyone. And everyone's opinion is strong. And sometimes we approach God the same way. We Look at what he says and we treat it as an opinion. God does not give opinions. He is sovereign. What he says matters a lot. And therefore, as a child of God, it has to be your desire to hear what your father is saying, right? Always. Always, you want to hear what your father is saying. I know children who have suffered in life because they wish they had a father who would tell them something. I know what I'm talking about because I never had a father to speak to me. But I have God. The best father you can ever find. And you know, God is not a replacement of my father. He is my father. And for those of you that have wondered, oh, my father didn't give me attention. My father wasn't there. And some of us will use that as an excuse to be who we are today. Here is the news flash. As a Christian, you have God for your father. And he gives you all the attention that you need. He's always there to listen to you. He's always there to tell you 
what he thinks of you. And it should be our desire to want to hear what he says. Because faith is taking him at his word. How are you going to take him at his word if you don't know what he's saying? And he has given us his written word that he continues to speak to us by his Holy Spirit. And when we take God's word, when we take God at his word, his word begins to influence us. See, I see this father being influenced by what Jesus had said such that he was in peace and he wasn't in a hurry to go home. He took his time because he took Jesus at his word. Every time we take God at his word, his word begins to influence us. It, be, it begins to make us become what he wants us to become. One, we become joyous and hopeful and filled with peace. This is the goodness of God's work. Even when what he says is not something we want to hear, it still gives us peace. It still brings us joy. Those of you who are in relationships know this. You know, sometimes you hear something from your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your fiancé, and it's not what you want to hear. But if you know that they love you, you receive it with joy. You may not show it, <laughs> but you still receive it with joy. Can you imagine you are in a restaurant and friends and you are eating and then your wife points at something? There's a, a piece of the roasted beef. <laughs> I don't know how it got there, but it's closer to your nose. <laughs> and your wife kindly points at you, at it. And you're like, what is it? <laughs> and you graciously, because you, you can't get it, she extends her hand and she takes it from you. And deep inside you can feel. But at the same time, you know that she loves you. That's why she's doing it. So you take it with joy. And if you are a Christian, after that meeting, you thank her for it. When our father speaks to us, there are times what he tells us is not what we want to hear. But we still receive it because he loves us and he means well. You see, you cannot read the Bible and feel comfortable about yourself all the time. If you truly listen, There will be some shaking that will take place. 
We become joyous, hopeful, and filled with peace. And then we, we gain the confidence to trust and wait on the Lord. When we take the Lord at his word, we become joyous, hopeful, filled with peace, like the royal official, and we gain the confidence to trust him and to wait on him. And finally, we obey what he says, even when, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't have the full story, even when we don't understand his plans, we still obey what he says. I hear women, wives, complaining mostly of their husbands. And the main complaint is they don't listen. That's the main complaint. He doesn't listen. Do you know that God can speak through your wife, right? <laughs> oh, yes, he can. <laughs> and probably he has been speaking. But he also speaks through your husband. As Christians, we cannot decide when God is going to speak to us and how he is going to speak to us. We need to be so sensitive that we want to hear him anytime, anywhere. There are so many times God has spoken to me through my wife. And there are so many times that I didn't listen. And then I would come back and tell her, you are right. That's exactly what God wanted us to do. When you understand this God, you will know that you cannot limit him. What we need is to develop the capacity to listen. What we need is to let him speak wherever and whenever he wants to and be ready to Obey even when we don't fully understand his plans. Let me finish this. The royal official went home to his family, realizing, after realizing that when Jesus spoke, the time that he spoke is the same time that his son was healed. 
and with his household, that includes the servants, they believed. He had already believed when he left. And here, they believed. Every sign, every miracle that God does in the Bible and in our lives, it's meant to point us to Jesus Christ. It's meant to bring us to God. When, when something happens in our lives that we can tell this is God, it's meant to point us to Jesus. God doesn't do things in our lives to make us feel good about ourselves. He does them so that we can see him. And therefore, the focus is not what God does. The focus is God himself. This is what Jesus is telling the crowd here. That the focus is not the signs and the wonders. The focus has to be me. Because it is by me that you can find life. Today we have people, when they hear there is this pastor who is healing people here, they will run there. They're not running because they love Jesus. They're running for the healing, for the miracle. Jesus is saying, no, that's not how you do it. You should be running to me. Are you looking for signs and wonders? Find me first. We don't focus on the miracle. We focus on the miracle worker. And we have Christians who have been frustrated. We, my wife and I have gone through this where our, our family members would come and tell us, take your son here to be prayed for. Take him here. Even one day my sister took my son and went with him to be prayed for and because he wasn't healed from his cerebral palsy, we were told that we didn't have faith. That's why I'm asking, what is faith? Does faith make God do what we want him to do? Is faith the secret that unlocks the door of your blessings and healings? Is that what faith is? <laughs> this faith comes by hearing God's word. Romans 10, 17 tells us that. And if it comes by hearing God's word, then it has to be faith in his word. It can't Come by hearing his word and then be faith on something else. And you know, if faith comes by hearing God's word, then we will end up praying God's word. We will end up believing what God is saying. And when we turn to him, we are not turning to him with our own prescriptions. We are turning to him to let him prescribe, prescribe to us. If you are a Christian, a child of God, ask yourself, are you taking God at
what? His word. Because our faith rests on God's word. I am done. I'm going to tell you a short story. Is that okay? Buzz? Is that okay, Buzz? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this just to show us how when you believe something, it really affects your life, your behavior. A group of friends were having barbecue. Beef. They had a good time. They were, they were eating beef and, you know, enjoying that fellowship together. And someone else took a piece of the beef and threw it to... There was a dog around there, and that dog ate the piece of beef. And it, the dog was okay, jumping up and down, running here and there. A few minutes, someone came and said, oh, the dog that ate the beef is dead. I saw it. It's, it's dead. And people began to throw up. Some of them passed out. Everyone was sick. So I said, it's dead. I think that beef was poisonous. And ambulances came and they were taken to hospital. Some were put on drips and the doctors are doing tests, trying to, to understand what's going on. And then another neighbor came to the hospital. And he called one of the doctors and said, I hear there are people here who ate a poisonous beef. The doctor said, oh, yeah, we, we are trying to figure out things. And this guy said, no, the, the dog that they thought had been killed by the beef wasn't killed by the beef. It was hit by a car. <laughs> and the doctor said, really? He said, oh, yeah, it was hit by a car. So he went and announced to the dying people said, hey, please listen to me. The dog was not killed by a poisonous beef. It was hit by the car. Oh, they were alive, suddenly. <laughs> suddenly they were all healed. One of the guys said, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> Every time we believe, it changes who we are. Every time we take God at his word, we don't remain the same. Every time. Because faith affects us. It affects our lives. It influences who we become. It influences how we behave. Every time we take God at his word, it transforms us. Every time. And my encouragement to you is that you may take God at his word. You may not fully understand him. You may not fully know where he is leading. But just take him at his word and let him work the rest. And you will start becoming the person that God wants you to be. And some of us will be looking at you wondering what happened. Because God has been working in your life. Why? Because you took him at his word. 
And the same thing for those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. He provides a way. He says, come to me and you will be saved. All you need is to take him at his word. You don't need to ask questions. How are you going to do it? This is where I come from. You don't know my life. No, just submit to him. Take him at his word and he will do what he says he will do. Because our faith rests on his word. Father, I want to thank you for your love and for your faithfulness. I thank you for your people whom you know very well. You know their needs. You know their desires. You know what they are looking for. And you know what you want them to become. And therefore, Father, this morning we submit to you. Acknowledging your presence and your work in our lives. We submit to you knowing, Lord, that you are not finished with us. That every moment is an opportunity for you to transform us. Transform us from our anger and from our issues that we struggle with in life. From our fears and all the struggles, some of them we can't even name them here, but you know them, Lord. And therefore, on behalf of your people, I pray as they look unto your word, as they hear your voice, that, Father, you will bring the transformation that they need. May you continue, Lord, to be an encouragement to us. May you continue to use us as your vessels. In Jesus' name, amen.